Welcome to Falling Into 40 with Bailey and Jessica. Hey. For one more day. I hope so. For one more day. Yeah. I think uh, that was a great song choice, Bailey. Because sometimes it is just hold on for one more day. Right? I was trying to think of some throwbacks from like, that was like Kit. I think I was little listening to that song, like singing it and with my hairbrush and stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. I, um, this morning in the car with the kids, I turned on Trisha Yearwood's X's and O's. Yes. And I think that was when I was like 10, 11, Mm -hmm. 8, I don't know. Anyway, I still know all the words. Very good. I like the, I like the ones that we still remember. Yes. From way back since we're falling into 40. What? (laughs) I know. So people are back, hopefully listening to another day, another episode. We're so glad. Yes. We are so glad. Keep on coming back. Come on back. Get you some. You never know what you're going to get. You don't. So. Well, I feel like we've, we've kind of talked about a lot of random stuff. And I really think that trauma is this big, big thing that needs to be talked about that so many people hold on to and never get the opportunity or feel comfortable enough to talk about trauma or their personal experience. And so I think that it's time we just kind of opened up that can. I think, I mean, I think it's inevitable, but it's something I think so many people hold on to they hold on their traumas it's hard to let go of I personally have a difficult time expressing it and letting go of it and I know that even 20 years it'll be 20 years this year since my big trauma in life and it still creeps up on me so I know that this is an important conversation that needs to be had because there are so many people that they can think back to that major trauma that changed the course of their entire life and honestly as you get to this age you look back on those things and you realize how it's shaped you how it's changed you as a person as a mom as a daughter as so many things so I think it's important that you and I use this platform to share that and hopefully reach others who may be going have gone through similar circumstances or going through it right now I I think that's exactly right. And I think it's important to go ahead and say that, you know, there's kind of a bit of taboo around the word trauma. And that is because people are not always kind. A lot of times they aren't kind. And some of that, the taboo is just 
people the fear of what others are going to think if they do tell somebody of, of a traumatic event in their life. And the real kicker is, is that I don't get to decide what Bailey's trauma is. And she doesn't get to decide what my traumatic event is. And we, it's not a bragging right that we've had experiences, but the real, the real deal is that most people have had traumatic events occur in their lives, whether they know it or not, whether they've ever processed it or even really thought about exactly what you said, how these things change and shape us. And, you know, the definition of trauma is, is something that's deeply distressing to you. And it's a disturbing experience that you have that overwhelms any individual's ability to cope, to move on, to function as they were the second before it happened. And so I just wanted to say, we know that everybody's stories are different and we absolutely don't think that there's one trauma worse than another trauma because they aren't, they're not scaled like that. They don't have a number on them saying so. I just thought I'm I'd so go ahead glad and throw you that. said that. No, I think I'm. I think that was important to say because, like you said, what's big for someone is may some. They're all different, all different. Yeah, and there's yeah. no way to put a rating on it, and it it is something that changes you. So I'm glad you put that definition out there. That's important. That we know that it's har- It can be harming multiple ways. It doesn't just have to be physical. And it typically sometimes is, sometimes isn't, sometimes both mentally and physically harming. And so I think that's important also. Like everything's just as big when it comes to trauma. Sure. It can even just be a a witness. You've witnessed Mm -hmm. something, a traumatic event that didn't happen to you, but you saw it, you were there. And it traumatizes you. Yeah. So I think, you know, people just really, really need to know that that their story is theirs and the feelings that they have associated with that are theirs and they get to have them, they get to own them. And it's just, they don't have to validate themselves to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if they're having that feeling, they're ha- it's theirs. And so... This is a judgment-free zone, and totally. we we just want to talk about it because we think it's important. So I don't know, Bailey, do you want to share a little bit of your journey or? Sure. Okay, you do? Like, yeah. Um, 20 years ago, you just mentioned, so 20 years ago. I'm sure you know a date. I'll even, yes, I'll even start before my trauma. So growing up, you know, very active lifestyle, lived a very active lifestyle, was involved in sports. Everything in my life was centered around something active. And so that was just how our family was. Like we didn't, we weren't home very much because we were constantly at a sporting event or if we weren't participating in it we were watching it and that was just how it was um went to texas tech university um had kind of let continued my active lifestyle there but wasn't involved in a sport or anything like that but 
um, during a test, I started having some abdominal pains and issues. My mom called my doctor here in the town that we grew up in, and they said, come in. It was appendicitis. Had my appendix out pretty good. Everything went well, went back to school. Came back home to get for a checkup to get staples removed. Again, everything was great. But in that surgery, I had to make up some time in class. I had to make up some assignments and things like that. So I was kind of in a rush to get back to campus. It was October 6, 2004. So almost 20 years ago. So I was 19 how long were you? How long were you at home first, like recovering from your surgery? I had my surgery one week prior. So it was the Wednesday before and um, before October 6th. So the end of September, um, I had my appendectomy, was home for just a few days, went back to Lubbock because I was working at the time, and then just had come back again for a checkup. So just a few okay. days. I mean, it was very routine, very, very good surgery. Uh, Easy. Okay. Just a normal. Yes. Successful. I mean, yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. Very good recovery. Everything was good. Was going, going back to take a test on campus that I had missed. My, my professor was like, if you'll, if you can make it back today to take this test, you don't have to take like a makeup that's going to be harder at the end of the semester or take an incomplete or anything like that. So I was on my way back, nothing crazy. And in between Wellman and Brownfield on the way to Lubbock, I hit some low-lying water in the road with my cruise control going. And it sent my car spinning. I ended up flipping the vehicle twice out into it's all farmland out in that area um flipped it into like a farm area between two uh, telephone poles actually um which was a blessing when between two those two my seatbelt malfunctioned did not engage and it ejected me through the moonroof out and ended up the car landed on top of me but I was outside of the car Okay, can so, we just stop for just a second? Yes. I want you to know that as long as I've known you, I've not heard this whole story. So I am in total disbelief and in shock that you were ejected yes, from your vehicle. The, the moonroof. Moon roof. Okay. And so there was a lot of question after which, you know, it, you have to when it's about my seatbelt because they were like, how were you ejected if you were wearing a seatbelt? I was like, I was wearing my seatbelt and they did actually go and my seatbelt was still buckled in the car. So they knew like it was, a, there was a malfunction, which I think it was a blessing, total blessing that I didn't stay in that car because of how crushed the top was to the bottom of the car. I don't think I would have survived if I stayed in the vehicle. So, okay. So there you, there you are. You flipped twice. You have been ejected from your vehicle with a malfunctioning seatbelt. And and I never, do you know, 
Do you I, have memory I never from lost consciousness or I was totally awake. I remember like feeling myself, my, my left arm was pinned under the wheel of the car. Like my arm was up under it because it landed on me, which again, another blessing because I found out later my spine was broken and my, knowing me, I would have stood up and tried to walk it off. And had I done that, it probably would have severed my, my spinal cord. Yeah, but, you would have been paralyzed. Um, yeah, pin me. About six people stopped. Um, I, since I had been home, I had done a bunch of laundry. I had a bunch of clean towels and everything in the back of my car. So they started pulling those towels out, putting it all over me. I didn't know the extent of my injuries. I just knew, like, I was, I really honestly thought my hand was messed up more than anything because this was the hand that was under the vehicle. And but, so they're helping, they're helping you, but you're still pinned under the car. I, yes. And like I was totally they, conscious. Okay. I was able to tell them my parents' phone number to call my parents. So my parents got the phone call from the side of the road. Uh, my husband at the time, he was my boyfriend, but they called him from the side of the road. Like I knew every number to, for them to call to, and they all started on their way and they all passed the scene of the accident before they got to me. So I know how traumatic that had to have been for them as well. But so get to the hospital that was closest. It was a small memorial hospital. Um, and they start assessing my injuries. They did a CT scan, but I don't know anything about that. But um, And they they were going to release me after sewing up some of my stitches. My hand ended up being fine. This hand did have some damage to it that they thought would just was just external. So they started sewing me all up and they were like, yeah, I think, I think you're okay. I think we can release you after we sew you up. Well, thank God they were sewing me up and the doctor pulled my hair back and my ear just... This is gross, but it just fell. And <gasps> so they ended up having to take me to Lubbock for plastic surgery for my ear. That was all that we knew at that time, that it was for plastic surgery for my ear. Um, I rode on the bench of the ambulance because they were transporting another patient sitting on the bench. And about 10 minutes into the drive, I started telling the the paramedic that I couldn't breathe and my back was bothering me really, really bad. I couldn't sit up. I couldn't breathe. And so he just laid me down and he literally held me like this the entire way and got to the hospital and kind of at that point, I don't remember a lot, but I remember doctors coming in telling me my back was broken. I was going to need surgery. My thumb had a, had severed tendons and the extended the damage was a lot worse than what they thought it was and all I remember thinking was like thank god they didn't send me home with all of that wrong and I also had a collapsed lung so it within all of that so it ended up t10 and 12 were completely shattered in my spine um and actually I had bits of of uh my vertebrae like in the spinal fluid so it was very close to 
my spinal cord. So it was about 14 hours of surgery repairing. They took completely had to take one of my vertebrae out, replace it with a new one. Like I, I got put back together again. I often say like Humpty Dumpty. I had three surgeons in there put me back together. But um, honestly, I thought I would be in, in the hospital for a lot longer. But a week later, I was home. And it took a long time um, emotionally to, to process what was happening. And then there was the physical. I was in a back brace for three months. Um, Did you but go? But I was just so. When, how long until you went back to class? So that was, that was also the thing. I had, so while, while I was in the hospital, I had visits from professors I had. And then there was a, um, a person at the school, like in charge of visiting people who had either gone through trauma or something that caused them to miss a lot of class. Um, I was kind in a like a homebound. Mm hmm. Like, but I was, yeah, they, they went over like options. What, and they oh, okay. actually were like a liaison with my professors as well. I actually only ended up having to drop one class which was also a big blessing because I could have lost almost an entire semester. That was the beginning of October. We had only, I think we were taking like the very first exams for that term. And the class that I had to drop was a law class. And it was a very heavy like test every week. And I had just missed quite a lot of information. And that professor the next semester was very kind to me as far as like having to retake the class again but um every other professor worked with me allowed me to retake exams went over extra things with me um so that was made made it so much easier to come back from it but my mom did go back with me because I lived alone off campus. So she went back with me and stayed with me as long as I was in the back brace. So until Christmas break, um, which that was October. So she took off that much work, stayed oh with me goodness. in Lubbock. And yeah, and, but without it, I, w I wouldn't be here. Like <laughs> that. Well, yeah. It was. I, I walked out of the hospital at 88 pounds. I mean, I was, <gasps> it was, yeah, it was a lot. It took a very years to come back from. And so, um, as far as now, 20 years later, um, I still have lots of. That's what I was about the, to. The, the emotional trauma isn't as hard. Um, I'll have some of it creep in, you know, with me having full consciousness during it I kind of sometimes wish I would have lost consciousness only because of the fact I remember everything I remember the smells I remember what people looked like I remembered footsteps all of those things and so that that was hard at first to get over but now like I've felt it more because my daughter is a little over a month from driving and so that's that's a little scary to me um, that I, even with my kids, I go into, um, that 
worst case when they're not with me and someone else is driving them somewhere, I'm constantly looking at locations, making sure everybody's okay. So the, that mental part does stem, I know, from the trauma of that. But um, it's really now more the physical, um, the neurological issues from the back having been have been broken and sometimes I don't even realize like why my hands are falling asleep or you know my feet I don't have great circulation in my legs and things like that um I'm a, I recently had to have another surgery on my hand because um there was so much scar tissue that it had actually wrapped around my carpal nerve and had cut my carpal nerve off. And I only had like 20% of my nerve function in my hand. And I didn't kind of didn't realize it because that hand always has bothered me. But I had that nerve release. I, basically, they did a carpal tunnel surgery and it, it made a world of difference. When was that? Uh, 2019. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What hand so, is it? My right hand. Your right my hand. hand. That I use. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, beyond that, I'm, I am just so blessed because as I do have limitations and sometimes I, I'll make the excuses. Oh, you know, I don't think I can do that because of my back when, you know, maybe if I tried it, I could, but I do, I'm very careful physically with how hard I push myself just because sometimes I have pushed it too far and it'll put me out for a little bit, but I am so blessed because I can stand on two feet and walk and I'm here and I was able to have my children and that, I mean, there was some differences and I had a little bit of difficulty with my pregnancies and with having them just because I was not able to have any type of spinal anything whenever. Mm -mm. No, yeah. they, uh. there was no doctor that would be okay with that. So I had to just make the choice that I wanted those kids and I had to go through the pain of it, but it it's all, 100% a blessing. And I know like for there's a purpose, there's a reason because there are so many reasons why I shouldn't be here. I've been told by doctors there are so many reasons why I should not be walking on two feet. And so I have to remember that before I make excuses or before I, you know, throw a pity party. I have to remember like there's a reason and I I have to keep pushing forward to to fulfill that. So, well, so can I ask you a couple of questions? Cause yeah, I mean, that was, that was, I mean, I had no idea the details that, I mean, I knew about the red. I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever beyond my husband and my parents who lived it with me ever fully 100% said it out loud. Yeah. I mean, and like, I don't even think my kids fully know everything because I've never, never really talked about, they know, like they've seen this, the zipper up my back. They know all of that, but I don't think I've well, ever said it all out loud before. 
I'm glad you did. And I, I love your outlook and your attitude on it, but away from that, you know, you spoke about how you remembered the details, the sounds, the footsteps, and that is how trauma works. It's in, it mm-hmm. was so profound that mm-hmm. your senses were on high alert. And I mean, it's crazy that you remember the smells and, you know, those kinds of things. And I I do want to say, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that you're here too, because like you said, that could have ended up where you were six feet under and not Mm -hmm. with us here and not getting to share this testimony with everybody that's listening. Um, Do you think that it caused, I know we've talked about your physical pain, which is Mm-hmm. I, that's got to be, um, to me, physical pain is, can be a, a depressing thing in itself, but, mm-hmm. but not looking at that, do you, do you think that it affected your mental health with like anxiety or, I mean, you said oh, your absolutely. kids, you know, now so that your kids are getting I... older, but like for you after that, like did you become a more, did you, how did it change you from that moment on? It took me a long time to feel comfortable driving myself back to school. There's one other way you can get there. It takes a little bit longer, but I went that direction for probably close to two years because it was very difficult for me to pass that area. and still. To this day, we go there up there a lot because we we love to watch sports. We love everything. Um, you and I drove to Lubbock mm-hmm. not that long ago, and well, and now for I wanna... a very very long time, you could still see like the skid marks on the road from my vehicle. Uh, my car was in a totaled lot uh, in a small town right outside. Um, of Lubbock uh, for a long time. And they called my dad and told him they were going to get rid of, you know, they were about to take it away and get rid of it. And I just so happened to be home when they called and said that. And we were leaving to come back and I had been riding with my husband and um, I was like, take me by there. So that was also some me releasing that trauma as well. I made him take me by there. We walked up, we looked at the vehicle, we looked in it. I just kind of did a little processing and took a picture of it and kind of was like, wow, you know, like I survived this. And it was, it was hard and it was, I don't know, time stood still in that moment. But um, yeah, it, it did help push past it. But it took a very, very long time when I was driving alone. Now I could ride with people that way and be okay. Like there were a lot of times that my husband and I would come home together and he would drive me home and back and we would go that direction and I was okay. But me personally driving, I went the other way for a long time going back and forth because it was just really difficult for me to drive that direction and with the fear and everything. So, um, yeah, it did. And it, I mean, it affected my mood. I would get like down in the dumps 
over things a lot. Um, but I had a really good support system of friends and family. Never being alone was super like important at that time. Like if I found myself alone, that's when I would start, especially like at night and living alone and things like that. That's when I would start to kind of freak out a little bit. Well, that is, I mean, I can't believe you survived being ejected. And do you know the people that stopped and helped you? Um, like, were they young? Were they older? Do you remember any of that? And Yeah, um, there were two older women. They were the ones who actually, like, asked me, like, is there anything in your car? And um, so they're the ones who got the towels out and started, like, they were, like, kneeled down and started praying over me immediately. Um, and the male that stopped, he's the one who called my family. And he was very calm. That's what most of them said. I could hear you in the background, like, t telling them, like, who they were to you and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I remember them. I remember their faces. I some of them did come, the paramedic actually come, came and visited me in the hospital to check on me because I'm, without him, like, it very well could have been a different story because he held me underneath my spine for probably about 30 to 45 minutes without moving because he knew something at that point was seriously wrong. So, so he, stabil he stabilized you yes because they had because just the sat other, me on the bench mm -hmm. there there was another um patient in the mm -hmm. ambulance they that were, they were transporting they were, and they were critical so they dropped them off first and um it, and it was on the opposite side of town from where they were taking me so um it was like having to and he was having to hold me having to drive through traffic and on the loop and things like that trying to get me transported there because they had sat me on the bench they had cleared me from the backboard and sat me on the bench just because I was just going for my ear so at that point oh well I'm yeah. really glad to know your story and I think that October 6th mm -hmm. right yeah that that's obviously a day that's marked and etched in your your brain and now mine I'm so glad that I know the story and I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad that you're okay and would you do you think that do you think healing from that is a lifetime it is like, there like there's there's not a time stamp on healing from trauma like there's it's there's not a magic formula there's not like a cure all for it you know mm -hmm. there's patience with yourself there's giving yourself time and it's all a journey and i don't again i i think about it much less often sure. you know um i think about it when you know i'm driving that direction i think about it when i'm feeling some pain but yeah. other than that, it's not something that I just think about all the time. All the time. Um, I have scars, you know, on my hands. I have scars, like the zipper down my back that are reminders 
you know, but they're kind of reminders of strength now um, mm-hmm. and and what I've overcome. And so it, 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 that's helpful to know. And again, to, to keep reminders, to keep pushing forward because there's a reason why, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. still here and I'm walking on two feet. And so when I want to get down in the dumps or I want to, you know, not do the things or not push forward, um, I often kind of think to myself, well, you know, how do you know if you're fulfilling your purpose if you're not moving forward so that's that's kind of what keeps me going so well thank you for sharing that with me and our listeners and I'm just so glad you had a support group I mean your mom your family your husband which was your boyfriend then, but your friends, just that you had people that, that checked on you and took care of you and what a priceless gift, what a blessing, what a, there's not a word that, that could even Mm -mm. be adequate enough to, to say how grateful I'm sure you are that, Mm -hmm. that you had that because without it, you know? Yeah. Well, you you get greatly humbled when you can't lift yourself, feed yourself. You you start to remember like how important those people are that will do that for you and will help you through all of that. So Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm I know well, that this next this next journey of um having a teenager on the road will be difficult anyway mm-hmm. but with this in in the in your your mind and and being something that you experienced I know that that will probably be a little bit more difficult but I'm glad that you that you had that it, it may it obviously made you who you were I mean it changed you yes. it, it so I'm mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm grateful for your wreck but I'm I'm like you said, you have strengthened through this and you have courage and, you know, you're going to make it through whatever comes at you next. These scary moments of seeing your child drive away, you know, you'll get through that. And Right. It's just, I mean, it's 100% proof in a higher power. If, if you don't believe in God, like, that is 100% true because, again, so many people told me there is no reason that, one, I should be here, and two, I should be walking. And so that in of itself is proof that we have a great God that is watching over us and that does perform miracles that let you fulfill his purpose for you. and so. That's the the key. Yeah, that's really, really great. And I love your your outlook on it. God is good. At the beginning of this episode, we talked about how everybody's trauma is their own. And, you know, there's not a scale. There's not a rating. And, and it's not always physical. It's sometimes just emotional. Sometimes it's both. I mean, it's 
a lot of just different because we're different and the way we process things are different. So again, we just want to stress that, that we understand that. And we, we want you to know that if you've experienced any kind of trauma that, that we understand that it's, it's yours and you Mm -hmm. get to own it. So my most impactful traumatic event happened on August 5th, 2017. And I had actually gotten sober on June 2nd, 2017. And I was just so excited. And I don't know if the people around me knew that I was excited because I'm pretty sure I was like in a lot of moods just from stopping, like learning how to be a new human without alcohol, learning how to function and be okay with, I was, I was learning who I was and who I had lost so long ago. So, um, I was very excited to be going to AA and I like to be around people. And of course I loved AA and truly like bonded with my, my group. And I was so excited, but we had, I remember everything about, about that day too, that right leading right up to it. And then of course I remember the event, but I had decided that I would walk to my AA meeting and it is not too far from where I live. And I had walked before. It was a good way for me to get there, kind of decompress. And then on the way home, a great way to think about what I had I had taken from the meeting. And so I'd never had an issue before. And so I was walking and I was really close actually to where the meetings are held. And these two dogs walked up to me and I immediately knew that I just sensed like they, they weren't coming to, I've, I've never been afraid of, of dogs or if, if a dog had come up to me any time right. in my life before this, I would have just pet it and, or just ignored it and gone on. But these two started nipping at my heels and at the back of my legs and I the only thing I could think was I'm supposed to be the, I don't even know a lot about dogs or did it, but I thought I'm supposed to be the one in control. So I'm going to turn around and I'm going to hold my hand, you know, and say, stop. No. Like, so they would think I was the alpha or, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, I say, stop. Well, they don't stop. And they got really angrier or more aggressive with their, their nipping and they start barking. Well, I look forward because they were kind of behind me. I look forward and across the street are eight other dogs that are now all running towards me. So I've got these two and I remember thinking in my head, I'm about to die. Like this is about to be, this is very, very, very bad. And I fell down and I remember falling and thinking, oh my goodness, 
they're going to get like, they're going to be able to get me because I'm on the ground. And this is not like a long way. This isn't like I'm on a residential street. So this is happening by a stop sign on a residential street. And just across the street, these other dogs are coming. So it, it wasn't a, a, a long distance for them to be able to cover. But I, I amazingly, miraculously got up. And the only thing I could think to do was grab this stop sign. And I started climbing, trying to climb the stop sign. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs. And it was, it was so, it was the shrill, the high pitched, and I was screaming, help, somebody help me. And I saw, okay, I'm sorry, let me back up. The dogs all get to me and they're all biting. They're all jumping up and they're biting me and I'm kicking them and I'm trying to climb this sign and I'm screaming bloody murder. I mean, I am screaming. At one point I screamed and I remember yelling, God save me. And Mm -hmm. I watched somebody from a house come out and see what was happening. And they turned around and went back in their house and shut the door. And I will never forget thinking they just saw that I'm, I'm being attacked by all these, these dogs. So I'm, I'm screaming. I'm, I don't even know what, I mean, I just remember screaming just so loud. And I had the, it was the first time I had been given the key to hold for the AA building to open it. I was going to unlock it in per, for, I was just, it was such an honor for me to be able to, to have this key. So I've got the key in my hand. My phone's been tossed, thrown, but I see in the distance, these men come running with bats and golf clubs and they're starting to shout and they end up getting the, the dogs kind of dispersed but the whole time they're trying to stand there with me, somebody's already called 911. The, the whole time they're standing with me, the dogs kept trying to come back. Like they were biting Coming. at the, at the tires of cars that were, were driving by. Mm. But I didn't even realize that my shorts had been pulled all the way down and my shoes had been ripped off. I had Mm. um, peed my pants. I didn't, I mean, it was Mm. this, I didn't know any of that until, and I didn't feel any, the the weirdest thing that I remember. Like shock. You were in shock. Yes. I was in complete shock. I, I was just standing there and a friend that was meeting me at AA pulled up because she saw that I was standing there and all she could see was blood all over me. And she said that she remembers that I was just, I wouldn't let go of the, the pole, the stop sign. And so I, one of the men used my phone to call my husband and he, I was still screaming in the background and he thought that I had been hit by a car. Like he couldn't figure out, you know, what had happened, but yeah, I, I remember pulling my my shorts up and 
and standing there thinking what just happened and I look down and all I can see is is blood well the ambulance gets there and they get me in the in the back and they asked me you know what's my blood pressure was out of I can only imagine it was yes I I remember telling them my head hurts so bad Mm -hmm. well my blood pressure was completely skyrocketed I mean it was so high and I was laying there and my heart rate was I think it was like 198 you know it was just pounding out of my chest so I get to the hospital and they call my mom she rushes up there my husband gets there and they can't close they can't stitch any of the there was over 20 um over 20 open wounds and they couldn't stitch any of them because they are considered dirty wounds because they're from a dog but there was also this intense burning and my legs felt like they were on fire and it turns out something in the saliva of dogs when they bite like that releases Mm -hmm. and it causes this fiery feeling so i get checked out they do some some x-rays because there's this one spot on my left leg that is just it is insanely painful so i go home and it was weird i remember kind of laughing like for real you know like did did that just happen and i'm kind of thinking oh i'm i'm okay you know this is just like this really weird thing that just that just happened and they had both of my legs wrapped in gauze from from top to bottom and the next morning i had bled all the way through at the top like it was a solid it was probably this big bled all the way through and i had to go to appointment after appointment to make sure that they were staying clean that i wasn't getting an infection and i was taking all these antibiotics well i was already going to counseling because of my alcoholism that had gotten me two months before to going to those aa meetings right so I went to counseling and my son's, my oldest son's first day of kindergarten was coming up and I will never forget. I, I really thought I was okay. You know, just this weird thing happened. It seems like a state of denial a little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I mean, it hurts. Everything hurts. I don't know, but I'm fine. Well, the first day of his kindergarten year, I drove to my mom's house after dropping him off and me and my younger son sat inside with the windows closed, like it was dark in her house. I was scared to walk to my car. I was scared to pick him up, to park and get out. If I heard a noise, my whole system would like, I would jump and with lots of therapy. I mean, it was, I definitely have PTSD from it because I still, my nervous system still doesn't, what my therapist explained to me was that there were so many chemicals released in that moment of the 
basically um, the fight or flight moments mm-hmm. that, that so many chemicals are released in your brain. It takes so long for them to get regulated again. And sometimes they just, they just don't. I feel like I was after several years and really doing work and doing my best. It's weirdly, oddly enough this year, I feel jumpy again. And I haven't felt as jumpy as I have since then until, till this year. And I don't know if it's just, just kind of resurfacing. I don't know. I've had two surgeries from that on, I did, I ended up with compartment syndrome and had to have my complete left calf, like my compartment there released in two different, um, surgeries and counseling. I mean, it was just, it's still to me insane. I'm no longer terrified of dogs and I don't want to pet a strange dog, but I have since then. And I feel like I've moved on past that, but it's still just this really strange thing. And they all belong to the same person. I don't know if I don't, it was one of those very strange situations they got out of their fence. And anyway, I had like, so how long did it take for you to be comfortable around animals? I know you had, did you have a dog at the time? Yes. Did it happen? So this is the real, a, a very sad part for me. Two harmless dogs that were less than 20 pounds. They're both of them have passed away since, and their names were Scruffy and Wiggles. Truly wouldn't hurt a fly. Like they were just little rescue dogs for about a year. I couldn't like as silly as this sounds, I thought that they were giving me like, I would look at them and think they're about to, they're about to, to bite me. You know, they're about to, Mm -hmm. and even rationally they were old and I'm looking at their old teeth thinking, well, they probably couldn't even break my skin, but it was, I couldn't, it was a trauma response. I mean, yeah. So do you still have triggers? Like, are there still things that trigger you back to that point or like trigger your emotions that you have to deal with or? Well, I don't know if stress just altogether kind of gets my neuro, what do we say? Our neurons like fire misfiring or like, I feel like my response to stress is, isn't as great as it should be. I think, you know, it's, I still, I need to keep working on it. And I think that my, I'm so overstimulated at times and it's usually with noise. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that, that's part of it because it wasn't, I could, I didn't care about noise before, but now if if the TV is kind of loud, if, if the kids are loud, I'm like, I need everybody to, like, I can't, I can't breathe right now. I just need a little quiet. So, and I am so thankful, you know, I, it definitely changed my life. And I think the, a really neat part of the story is that I didn't drop the key to the AA building. And I remember just 
it was so important to me. And, and I remember thinking God, God was trying to show me that, that I was going to be okay. This wasn't going to get me back to drinking. He was showing me that I still got to go walk in that, that building and, and continue my sobriety and, and that, you know, Satan wasn't going to get me down. It wasn't going to be a, a fallback or a setback in my alcoholism. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful for that because I think that, that, that in itself, kind of like you said, shows that God is so good. And if, if you don't believe to me, this is, I mean, I really should have died. And just this year, I learned out that I have a genetic blood clotting disorder. And when I found out that I had it, the doctor, they they were actually quite positive. They were 99% sure. They said, you know, just because of that dog attack alone, even before the surgeries, because of the trauma to your legs, you would have passed a blood clot because you have this. Right. And right. so when the test came back, the doctor called and he told me, he said, actually, you do have the, it's genetic. You know, he said, you do have the, mm -hmm. the copy. He said, I can't believe it because there's no way it, it had to have been God with you this entire time because that leg injury, especially to the left leg should have absolutely thrown a clot. And here I am, I haven't had a blood clot and two surgeries on a leg. I mean, I think it's a yeah. pretty, it's a miracle. Well, and something so, that so easily could have spiraled you in a different way. I know you were, you were very fresh on your sobriety and something like that. I mean, there's so often we, you see, um, PTSD causing, you know, issues with alcoholism or things like that. And so that you could be that emotionally and mentally strong through those moments that you didn't turn to that, I think is a testament to your strength as well moving forward, because, you know, that could have very easily been something that you made the decision to turn back to because, you know, I went through this traumatic experience. I can, I can turn to this now. And so the fact that well, you didn't is a strength. I mean, it shows such strength. Well, thank you. And I really think though, I mean, it's just a, a God thing anyway, because when he healed me from that alcoholism, he really did. And I feel like truly it was an attack, um, you know, against me that day. And, and yeah. God knew that I was going to win because he, he knew it. Like he gave me that miracle. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I will say, you know, kind of emotionally, that was a big deal, but physically it has had its I have to take some medicine for nerve, nerve pain, which mm -hmm. I remember there was a couple of people who kept checking on me and I think they were afraid I was going to start taking pain pills or, you know, right. become, become a pain pill addict and all, uh, I don't know. God has a funny, he has a good sense of humor because mm -hmm. I'm allergic to like every pain pill. Most there of them. Is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and, and everybody's different with their addictions anyway. And, and those weren't my kind of feel goods. Mm -hmm. That wasn't my escape, but I do take medicine to this day for 
uh, neuropathy in my legs and feet. And um, so I understand. Similarly, we have a the the shooting pains and the 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 tingly feet and yeah so but it's weird I am also like you I'm just so thankful and the the people that that came and rescued saved my life I did see them afterwards and met with them and thanked them because really if they hadn't come out I you don't I really believe I would have yeah I believe I would have died there was just no way they weren't stopping they were relentless but you know, there's still so much as hard as this world is and is as much bad as we see, there's still so much good too. People that are willing mm-hmm. to step up and stop and help. And you there are people that don't stop and help and, and do the things. So I'm just thankful for for those people and you know, I, I think we need to our listeners need to know if they are if they're in a place and they're scared to to talk about it, they do need to know that if they don't talk to somebody, that holding on to that is not going it's going to keep them in a very unhealthy place. And trauma sometimes does take a lifetime to get over and get through. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But to hold it in, not to tell anybody and to have any kind of soundboard, you've got to find somebody. And there's, if, if you feel that it's, you're scared of being judged or you're scared of, of your experience being downplayed, you've got to get over those, those things because you can't get better and work through process your trauma until you say, Hey, here I am. And, and just get to that point. Bailey and I both, both know that working through those things are important. And just knowing, being aware of when you're feeling those feelings and what to do with them is important too. Um, for the longest, again, I'm a I'm a feelings barrier. I would bury them. And again, kind of like I said, this is the first time I've ever actually said the events that have happened to me out loud. You know, and I'm almost forty, so uh, it is it is important to release it and to know like what what you need to do to to be able to move forward because you know trauma changes you in so many different ways but do taking the steps to move forward i mean there's always a reason why you're on the other side of it or at least getting through to the other side of it so yeah and you want to sometimes just the power in saying the things that have happened is the mm-hmm the healing like starts the healing process. So mm-hmm. for those that, that haven't ever said anything or, you know, are holding it in, don't have anybody to talk to, you've got to find somebody because we, it's, it's just a lot. It's too much for your, mm-hmm. your mental health, your psyche, you know, you've got to, you got to let it out. Yeah. So I feel like this was well, a good, it was so good. I'm so glad we were able to, share our stories, share our testimonies. And I think moving forward, people will kind of understand where we're coming from in our opinions or in, you know, things that we have to say about certain topics because of what we've been through. And I think a lot of what we've been through changes our outlook on certain situations. And so I think that will help people who are listening to us kind of understand a little bit more 
about our personalities and our outlooks on certain situations. So I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation and and speak, you know, speak about our, what we've been through. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I am, I'm thankful for our listeners and Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for Bailey and I'm just really, really glad that that we got to talk about these things today and just to know that again here we are falling into 40 but yeah as these things both happened you know Bailey's happened 20 years ago uh, mine happened almost seven and we're it still affects us in in different ways and it's still part of who we are today and we can be thankful for being on the other side and for knowing that we do have a purpose and we can't let it can't let it bog us down because we've got to do something. You know, we have to keep going. And thankful to be falling into 40 because you and I very easily could not be falling into 40 yeah. right now. You know, it could have ended for yes. me at 19. And so I think that's, that's very, I mean, that's a blessing in itself. As much as we complain or we, we talk about. Joke. On, <laughs> you know, and joke on this show. Thank goodness we are falling into 40 so yes we we are so thankful okay well i'm sure that's not the end of that we say that i think at the end of a lot of episodes Everything. but it's just life and it kind of goes in a circle and we will too yep well, well thank we you guys are so thanks for listening thankful for our listeners and we are so glad and we hope you'll join us for another episode yes come back thank you for tuning in with us on today's episode of falling into 40 you can find us on spotify youtube and apple podcasts